Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are in midweek now. We have gone through, we talked to Andy Lytle on Monday, had a conversation, a fun one yesterday, ranking alternate helmets and subsequently uniforms with the Checkdowns Jordan Zerm. Check those out if you have not done so. Seems to be the hot news is around Baker Mayfield and Mike Tannenbaum's nonsense. We will get to that later in the week when we talk about where Baker is. There's not a ton to be said that hasn't already been said, but we'll continue to talk about where Baker is across the league, his contract, all of that stuff, throughout the next month or so, unless some news changes where it's at. We're going to continue our AFC Contender Series. We're bringing up the Kansas City Chiefs. We have on Ed Easton Jr., who's a KC beat writer for the Chiefs Wire and uh, does a ton of other things and, and news media producer down that way, was kind enough to join us. So let's talk about the Chiefs, the biggest contender in the AFC. Let's get over to that interview right now. Well, Ed, I, I can't speak for all of Cleveland on whether the sore is is closed from you know the Browns' playoff loss. I know the Chiefs, some minor speed bump getting past that divisional round game. The ambitions were bigger. Talk to me about how that Super Bowl went. Was there a lot of confidence going into the Super Bowl and uh, it just kind of fell flat? Or, or did you guys have legitimate offensive line concerns that manifested itself in that Super Bowl Sunday? You know, um, Jake, it was one of those situations where just going into another Super Bowl and obviously coming off of winning this the season prior, there was already a lot of confidence heading, heading in. Uh, there was the thing that both teams had to deal with, the fact that it was a very different Super Bowl experience. You didn't have the same fans around during uh, media week. Media week was everything was done through Zoom. Um, just the mentality of what was going on. And then, of course, we had the uh, unfortunate situation with Brett Reed. Um, it, it was just so much going on with the team heading in that when you actually got to the game, I feel like and I, I can't speak for every you know Chiefs follower or anybody out there, but I feel like a lot of people forgot just how good that Buccaneers defense is. And they really showed and exposed what was the weakest part of the team. And that was the offensive line. And when you saw that start to happen, you saw a little bit of a, a different setup in terms of Andy Reid and having to play from behind. Uh, you seen Patrick Mahomes very uncomfortable, obviously still dealing with the toe injury and having the offensive line break down on him. So he's, he's kind of have to make plays that he usually wouldn't make. He looked very uncomfortable in the pocket, which was something different that we hadn't seen uh, in a long time, actually, with uh, with Mahomes. And you go on the defensive side of the ball, you got a guy like Tyron Matthew making mistakes that he usually doesn't make. And he uh, he let Tom Brady kind of get in his head. So it, it was just, you know, it was one of those situations where whatever the worst could happen, happened. And uh, that's the way I would best describe the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, they're... You're in the Super Bowl, it's great. The expectation in Kansas City is now Super Bowl or bust every single year. I think when you have Pat the way you have him, you have peak Travis Kelsey, uh, Tyreek Hill, and, and many others we're going to talk about. You, you're, all about, you're all about making it to the Super Bowl. But what I've noticed is turnover hasn't been altogether too crazy. It seems to be there's been some consistency at the coordinators. Has there, is there anything, I know Biennium is going to, his time's going to come. I don't know when, 
and I, I saw that you recently talked about this with him, uh, about his time coming when it feels right, when it happens, all that stuff. I think it'll 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 happen eventually. But it seems like consistency is the big name of the game that way. Is there any any big changes coaching staff wise that you think will have any ramifications in the twenty twenty one season? I think the team is they they're pretty much going to stay tight in terms of what they look at in regards to uh, any type of coaching changes. They they've kind of had the same type of mentality. It all starts from Andy Reid. Uh, Eric Bieniemy just continues to do such an amazing job as the offensive coordinator. And uh, Steve Spagnuolo has really been the biggest difference in terms of the defense over the past two seasons and how he's kind of changed the mentality. He's brought a more aggressive defense that uh, just makes plays in the secondary as well as that important front four. I don't see many changes coaching-wise. Like I said, a lot of the the problems were in the Super Bowl. Everything leading up to it, the team was strong. The injuries on the offensive line started to catch up with them. It's just – that was the main change they had to, they had to make, and that really had to deal more with Brett Veach and the uh, and the front office making more moves and bringing in the new offensive linemen and just uh, new players that can really make an impact. So I don't see coaching in terms of strategy anything that will change too much, but uh, I I can I can definitely understand why people were kind of uh, freaking out that we're watching that Super Bowl and just what the team went through towards the end of that run. Let's talk offense first. We'll, we'll we'll go with Pat. Just kind of, are you guys in awe of what he's become? I, I know it's been a few years now, so you've soaked it in, and it's become the norm. But you know, when you take the guy tenth and 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 he sits a year, and then the second year goes as crazy well as it went to second year in the league. It's like, do you think he can keep this up every single year for the next decade, or is there like? A, a little bit of peaks and valleys you think he'll run into because I mean he's if he keeps this up he's gonna blow every quarterback record out we've ever seen but you know you'll watch him sometimes and it's like I don't really see how this is gonna slow down he just plays the game not only is he gifted physically the arm the the, the ability to move when he needs to move the accuracy but he can he can be steps ahead of people he can see things develop before and it's so rare to see both of those things come together. So I guess it's like cumulatively, where are you on Pat? Has the has the exceptional just become so regular that you guys are numb to it? You know what? I don't want to say numb, but it, there has become such of a, a a familiarity with everything he does. It's no no longer too much of a big surprise if you've been watching him not only uh, during games but in practice and training camp. All the stuff you're seeing in games, he does this on a regular basis. So it, it kind of takes away from the oh the, the shock factor, and obviously to a national audience, it is it is a huge deal. But uh, that's just when you're that good, that's just the level you've put everything at in regards to people responding to how you play. Now, in regards to what's going to happen to him in the future, and do we expect him to continue to get better or even stay at this high level? I think it, the the two major factors in regards to that. Are his is going to be the relationship with Andy Reid and how long Andy Reid wants to be his head coach. I just feel like they have such a good bond in regards to what plays they run, how he breaks down the defense, and just what makes it comfortable for him to succeed. And Andy Reid is, let's be honest, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time. And the way he's been such an offensive mind for so many years, having that combination of just pure talent and the mindset of Andy Reid was just a perfect marriage when they when those two got together, and that's why I was able to escalate so quick. 
Now, the second thing that I always talk about is is injuries. You know, we've seen him now uh, get nicked up a little bit and having to deal with injuries. You know, he's the type of guy that wants to play no matter what, as we all have uh, remember from last season, or I should say two seasons ago, when he had the knee injury in Denver and having to switch around his kneecap and that story and then coming back a couple of weeks later and, and just, you know, winning a Super Bowl, still being a dominant player. So him staying healthy, and that's why the Chiefs invested so much money in the offensive line this offseason, is a high priority. And uh, another thing that in terms of his evolution and his developing, his development, I should say, is the fact that he has said himself that I think last season was the first season that he actually understood de- defensive coverages. He never really quite understood. He kind of just went off of like how he was feeling at that moment. And, and he never understood like what plays you can make in terms of like the flaws in the defense. He understood how to read a defense, how to read the corners, the safeties. And, and it's crazy to think from a guy who, you know, he threw all these touchdown passes, won an MVP. He's already a Super Bowl MVP. And he's still learning how to play the position at a high level. So the intellect is going to come. We saw, you see it with Tom Brady. That's what's keeping him around. It's not about what he's doing physically. It's his intellect of just being smart as a quarterback. So when Mahomes continues to to grow on that pace, I think it can only only get better from this point. It's a pretty scary proposition to consider the fact that he could keep getting better. But you're right. I mean... Quarterback is a repetition sport. The more reps you have, understanding what defenses are trying to do to you, and he's already dealt with the countermeasures. Teams have given him every piece of the chessboard they can try to throw at him to to confuse him, and he has been able to rebuttal all of it. Now, if he can completely dictate what defenses are going to do because he'll eat alive certain coverages, if that starts to happen, yeah, it starts to get uh, like it starts to get a little bit unfair. So, uh, as great as it is for you, as scary it is for the rest of the AFC, so. Let's let's not skip. We'll come back to the rest of the skill positions. Let's talk about that retooled offensive line. I'm just looking for the general feel about the moves. I mean, I'll let you talk about them one by one, but it was a complete rebuild, and they did it on the fly, and they did it while still paying huge quarterback money, big-time wide receiver money, and, and they are paying guys along the defensive line too. So, it, it, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at my question here, Ed, is was it surprising just how well they were able to retool this thing, considering the limited resources they had to go about it? I will say that it it was surprising in regards to the amount of talent they were able to pick up. And and when I say talent, I mean like high-level, all-pro talent in such a, a quick amount of time. And obviously that's a credit to Brett Veach and uh, the, the whole front office and the way they really made that a priority. And and let's be honest, uh, everyone saw in the Super Bowl what happened. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes was the the most rushed quarterback in uh, Super Bowl history. And this guy is such – he's so important to the future of this franchise that your offensive line has to be – it has to be top-notch. You just can't throw anybody in there. It's already, it's already been proven that that doesn't work. So having Brett Veach say, okay, well, we're going to roll a dice here. We're going to make these deals. Uh, the The one that really stuck out to me – was the Orlando Brown uh, trade and the way they were able to make get it done with Baltimore for the obvious factors of money being an, a thought. Um, also, just what in regards they would do with draft picks and being willing to part ways with a first-round pick and then future picks, it just shows how aggressive they are in uh, trying to make sure they have the right type of protection for Mahomes. So that deal happening right before the draft was a, 
was pretty much, I think it put the entire league on notice. And uh, a little bit of time before that, bringing in Joe Thune, who is a, uh, a well-known all-pro um, caliber offensive lineman to really to really be the, the leader of that group because he's a veteran. He's uh, a guy that's protected and uh, won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, with the Patriots. So uh, there's a, a certain level of um, veteran leadership that was needed on that offensive line when you part ways with a guy like Mitchell Schwartz after so many years. So having him was a big deal. And then uh, Kyle Long, obviously dealing now with the injury, may not be available to possibly the first couple of weeks of the season. Him coming out of retirement also is a, another one of those, that's just a smart move to make. If you're Brett Veach, if you're working with a budget, you go after a guy who is recently retired and convincing him to come out of retirement to, to pretty much chase a ring. I think it was a uh, it was just a smart move and, and a good chess move for the long run. So uh, moves like that. And then you also have to remember they're getting back um, two offensive linemen that they didn't have last season because of opt outs. Uh, you're getting back Lucas Niang. You're also getting um, LDT back after his um, courageous work in regards to fighting COVID-19 uh, back in Canada. So there's there's more depth coming to the to the team in regards to the offensive line. It's going to look completely different than it did last year. I just also want to give a quick mention to uh, Creed Humphrey, who was uh, a draft pick. Um, and, you know, obviously going into his rookie year, he may not start, but uh, I can see him immediately starting at center for uh, uh, for the Chiefs this season. So it's just these little moves are are things that you do in order to try to save money. I believe Thune was the only one that really got the big contract right away obviously signing a free agency. Everyone else was either via trade, coming back from an opt-out, or um, like you said, just, or like I said, just uh, the whole retirement situation with Kyle Long. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's a hyper-talented group now, man. I think I, I, a lot of us loved Creed Humphrey in this draft. Thought he was the best center in the class. And, and to steal him in the second round is, is a great move. I think it's going to be a fantastic offensive line, especially replacing two 
two legitimately great tackles and and Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz is it's so impressive to do on the fly so major kudos over there we'll talk about the guys catching passes we'll include tight end with the wide receiver because I view Travis Kelsey as an extension of your wide receiver room it's it's just minus Sammy Watkins if I'm looking at this right I mean is it I, I, would, I don't think there's a huge drop-off there to Marcus Robinson, and I think they drafted uh, Cornell Powell. So talk to me about, about wide receiver room. We know Tyreek, but just sort of the the, the adjacent pieces, and if they if they skip a beat, or do you think they're, they're all going to be fine and DeMarcus just steps into Sammy's role? Well, you know, this is the, uh, in my opinion, one of the big question marks is that second wide receiver spot. And like you said, Travis Kelsey is is basically viewed around the league as another wide receiver, but technically he's still a tight end. And you need another wide receiver outside of uh, Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins fit that role perfectly because he was a great possession receiver, made a lot of big catches when he was healthy on the field. And I think that was always his big issue was just being getting him on the field, having him healthy for an entire season. So that that was really the the only issue I could see with Sammy Watkins and why he's uh, not coming back as a chief this year in terms of offering a contract. But when you look at the talent, McCole Hardman is the big question mark in regards to what he can bring for this team. Everybody wants him to be that number two receiver. He's projected to be the number two guy. He's very speedy like Tyreek Hill. But now they're just asking for consistency and being a guy that can be relied upon the same way Watkins was. Uh, Hardman already is a uh, Pro Bowl uh, special teams player, but having him, you know, set his mindset to just think about the wide receiver position and and being an asset there as a starter is a, a different type of formula that they have to figure out. And um, you know, it's it, Demarcus Robinson, a great player. I think he's a, a really good player, very underrated. We'll see if he's able to try to get some more opportunities to uh, start on a regular basis because the big talk has been about Cornell Powell and how fast he's really taken on to the offense. He's a guy that people do like uh, coming from a Clemson system where they, they really do get these guys prepared for that next level. So seeing what he can do with this team and start a couple of games, possibly we don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think training camp is going to be a fun battle to watch as well as just what's going to be done in preseason. I just feel like a lot of eyes are going to be watching the wide receivers and who is really the true number two in this group. Yeah, you you pretty great there about this, this extension of what Sammy does and just being able to to find somebody who handles the, the points of the field as well. I thought that's what, that's what struck me is for most teams, Sammy Watkins is like this primary guy and he was a secondary option in Kansas City, and it's like, okay, who? It's easy to think somebody slides in there, but you got to see it, right? So there are way more pressing issues to deal with, but but that is one uh, offensively to keep an eye on. I, I will say too, I don't think enough people are talking about Clyde Edwards-Helaire, the running back, and his, his second year leap. How are Chiefs fans feeling about him? That pick all 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 together. I mean, Darrell Williams and and company will be will be nice secondary players, but there should be an expectation to be able to give. Uh, Edwards Alaire the ball, whether throwing it to him or running it, and he should have a pretty big second season. I think he's a good player. What do you guys add on him? Oh, no, I, I definitely agree. Clyde Edwards Alaire is a, a great player. Um, one of the biggest uh, attributes for him, and this is even when I, I got a chance to speak with him, is that he's a winner. He's a guy that's won in college, he's won at different levels. He, he is focused on winning, and the injuries would really just threw him off uh, late in the season. 
he was uh, he was doing well. I think if you look at his numbers, the guy was he was making a lot of big runs in terms of the early in the season. Obviously, a lot of teams didn't really have an idea of uh, what type of running back he would be uh, coming in as a, a starter, as a rookie. Uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how he does fare in in year two. Knowing that he is the guy, uh, I think it's pretty clear cut. Yes, Gerald Williams is on the roster. Darwin Thompson, Jerick McKinnon, those are going to be guys that kind of be fighting for a role on this team. But as of right now, Clyde Wardsalaire is the running back. He doesn't have to worry about sharing carries with Le'Veon Bell. It's going to be an interesting chemistry that he has to have with Patrick Mahomes because the Chiefs in Andy Reid's offense want to do a lot more of a, a pass-catch type of situation out of the backfield with running backs. Uh, Edwards Alaire showed that he was okay with it, but I think they want to see it a lot more. They want to see him become more versatile and catching a lot more passes out in the field. So I, I'm going to be it's going to be an interesting complex in regards to Clyde Edwards Alaire adjusting to that role. We've heard that he has been working a lot more in regards to uh, minicamp, focusing on catching passes out of backfield. It's going to be a process, but uh, I, if he does master that part of the game, I think he's in for a huge year and uh, possibly a Pro Bowl season. Yeah, I'm expecting a big leap there, and I think I think people should be in general. And he just he doesn't get talked about enough. I think um, I, I think that it's a big part of where their offense can replace Sammy's production especially throwing the football, is is to give him more opportunities in space. Let's talk defense now. We're going to talk defensive line. Spagnuolo's back, I believe, right? T- still handling the defense? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, yeah defensive line. Uh, I see. T- talk to us through the additions. I know Frank Clark's got some legal trouble that just popped up. Where, where's the defensive line set going into this year? The defensive line is uh, it's going to pretty much stay packed. You know, obviously you bring up the Frank Clark situation. That is the big scare right now, and – the uncertainty in regards to how that's going to play out long term, but uh, in the immediate future, they are going to be okay. Uh, Clark will be a guy that's going to be in the lineup. I, I just can't see that changing immediately. But uh, bringing in Jaron Reed from uh, Seattle, that's a big deal, and and I think a lot of people haven't talked too much about it. But he's the type of player that's going to open up a lot more things for Chris Jones, and everyone knows Chris Jones how how dominant he's been the last couple seasons at the defensive tackle position. You bring in a guy like Jaron Reed, this allows Chris Jones to slide over to the other edge position, and it, it just puts more pressure on the quarterback, on the opposing offensive line, now that Chris Jones has the freedom to kind of rush off the edge. He's always shown that he has the ability, but he's played so you know most of his career on the inside. So having that versatility, you also have Reed, who's a guy that knows how to play in that type of system. He's played alongside Frank Clark before, so... He knows how to get guys opportunities in terms of like plugging up that middle and and just helping the edge rushers do their job. So I look at the defensive line and and just it, it, it's just all about the chemistry and see how these guys can continue to grow together. But I, I see them continuing to be very successful. They've been good the last couple seasons. Uh, Frank Clark's been a Pro Bowler last two, as well as uh, Chris Jones. So it, it should be. Uh, I, I still see good things for the uh, defensive line. Yeah, I think that's going to be the anchor of the defense. It'll continue to be. They don't put a ton of emphasis into linebacker. They only play two of them most of the time, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But they did invest a second-round pick in Nick Bolton. Definitely like the second-round pick of Willie Gay uh, the year before. Anthony Hitchens still floating around. Do you, do you guys feel good about those those linebackers that are in-house? How do you feel about Nick Bolton? 
I'm a fan of uh, bringing in Nick Bowen. You want to bring in a guy that's very versatile, a guy that can make plays in the field. And you you also pair him up with Willie Gay Jr. now coming into his second season. I just think it, it strengthens and also kind of reshapes the way you looked at the linebacking core. A lot of teams kind of saw the linebackers of the Chiefs as probably the weak spot in their defense. And that's why there was a lot of big, uh, big games in terms of running backs making plays against the Chiefs defense. So Anthony Hitchens is going to be looked at as the veteran presence. He's the guy that's going to be the leader in that locker room in terms of the linebackers. But having a guy like Nick Bolton who can grow in that system and uh, really, you know, make some things happen as well as Willie Gay Jr. now in his second season. So he's going to get the playing time. It's going to be a lot more expected of him. You can only go up here if you're at a linebacking core. They've had their issues in the past. But I think this bringing in Nick Bolton and still keeping Hitchens and Gay growing together, I feel like this is a good combination. Yeah, some some big additions in the secondary too. Uh, I, I wouldn't say necessarily huge, but guys that are going to I mean, Mike Hughes is going to be an interesting part of this defense. I mean, we all know what Tyron Matthew brings. Dan Sorensen's been consistent player. Just kind of like, where's Juan Thornhill in the mix? Where, where I think they brought in DeAndre Baker too, coming off his uh, his issues there in 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 New York. Just curious what the thought process is with the secondary and how you guys are feeling about that group uh, heading into this year. Well, I definitely, you know, all those names that you brought up are going to be key players. And uh, Juan Thornhill, once again, when healthy, is I feel like one of the better safeties out there. Having him with Matthew, they have such a great chemistry already. Um, a name that you did not mention, which I feel like is a very under, he's been very underrated since last year, which was his rookie year, Legereus Sneed. And uh, Legereus Sneed is going to be expected to come in and start, especially with Bashad Breeland moving on. Uh, having him, Javarius Ward, has been the veteran presence. He's been there uh, so far the longest, it seems like. You have those two guys, and then you talk about Mike Hughes. What could he, what could he bring to the table coming over now? Uh, DeAndre Baker is I I, I want to say DeAndre Baker could be a huge X factor if he can once again we said with other players stay healthy and get the reps he could be a guy that I always felt has the ability to start and uh, when the whole situation went down with the Giants I think as much as they did did not want to cut him he's such a talented player that when he is right when he does get the reps when he is a part of that system. He is a guy that could be a second corner in the team or even a first corner on most teams. So he has that type of talent. And, you know, for Steve Spagnuolo and the way he has to kind of reshape the secondary and, and play different formations, he's got a bunch of guys he can plug in that can play different spots. If they need to bring in a, another corner, if they want to go dime back, there's different options that they can go with. So the secondary is led by Terran Matthew, but there are other players there that, had the ability to make plays. As you saw, Daniel Sorensen, he's never a starter, but you see him on the field so much that you kind of think he is. He does all the dirty work for the Chiefs. These type of players are going to be the ones that uh, make an impact, especially late in games and we, or even late in seasons when players are nicked up, have the injuries. It's the depth in the secondary has always been strong for this team. Yeah, let's let's close with this question. Well, I have two closing questions for you. Who on the roster you have maybe mentioned him? Maybe I've mentioned him going through this. Who do you think takes the biggest, the biggest leap for this franchise this year? That you come out of this year saying, "Yeah, that guy is an is a staple of the Chiefs going forward. Is going to have a nice year." 
You know, that's a that's a very good question. And when I when you talk about a guy that takes that next step, my first thought is who we were talking about with Clyde Woods Alaire. And, you know, being the featured back, not having really to share the duties as much as he's done last year, I, I want to put him up there. But uh, I do think the acquisition of Orlando Brown and what he could bring at that position. Now he's uh, he's he's doing what he wanted to do now. He's playing on the side where he's protecting the quarterback. He's he's playing in a position that he said he wanted to do because his father played that position. I see him making even more of an impact than he did when he was in Baltimore and really solidifying himself as a long-term long-term star in Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs have a history of great offensive linemen. You know, you go back to the Will Shields days, and uh, I feel like he could be one of those guys for a long time because he's still very young and uh, has plenty of great football ahead of him. And he's already kind of have a, a nice rapport with Patrick Mahomes from from uh, camp and from all the stuff that Mahomes is talking about with the with the offensive line having the chemistry that they have already, uh, I can see him taking that next step and uh, being a guy you talk about for years to come. Yeah, he's got great potential. He got you're right though. He he put himself in a situation where he's going to have to show out. He's got a quarterback that, among many things, Pat does well. Sometimes he can strain his protection a little bit with the creativity things that he does. So while he saves yourself from a lot of negative offensive line plays, he can sometimes create them. So that's that's a, that's a mesh that I'm really fascinated to watch. Is it? I know there's buzz about guys, especially Tyreek, saying that the goal is undefeated, the goal is undefeated. It's uh, is Does this have the potential to be the best Kansas City team you've seen in the last stretch of, I think, when, I would say they've been really good for the last three years. Is this the best version you think of of talent that they've had? It's tough to say if it's the best version because I thought last year's team was really good. Uh, this on paper, this team is pretty incredible. Um, in regards to the players saying that they can go undefeated, that, that that's always been the talk, you know, since this uh, this Patrick Mahomes era started and just raising the bar in Kansas City and not just settling for making the playoffs or going deep in the playoffs. It's Super Bowl or bust. Last year, the the mantra all season was run it back, run it back, run it back to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they did get back to the Super Bowl. So I see this team possibly doing even better a, a step further. And obviously a step further would be winning another Super Bowl, but they are that good. Uh, it, it also depends on the other teams in the league and just the way they are. Um, there's a pretty good Browns team over there I think you know uh, a lot about. Yeah, I mean, we feel good about them, but... It's tough for us to just be convinced that the Browns are going to be as good as we hope they are. You got to see it. Got to see it year after year. So we feel good about it, but we're certainly not where the Chiefs are. That's the goal for everybody is to uh, is to find that level of consistency, and they're the they're the gold standard right now. So this was great, Ed. Man, I know this fan base, my listeners, will really appreciate all the insights you brought about Kansas City, and hopefully we do run into each other after Week One. Obviously, that one's going to happen. But hopefully there's a second meeting down the line with uh, with a little bit more important stakes, man. We appreciate your time. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Looking forward to another playoff matchup. Huge shout-out to Ed for joining us. Make sure you do follow him at Ed Easton Jr. If you're looking for Chiefs content on your timeline, they are the gold standard. Everyone's chasing them in the AFC. We'll be chasing those guys, maybe form a rivalry over the next decade or so. That would be really fun to see. So... Make sure you're checking out content on the Chiefs because that's where you want the Browns to be and that's who the Browns will probably face several times. We're going to continue the AFC Contender Series with the Titans next week. 
Uh, we will we probably, I shouldn't get ahead of myself, probably the Titans. We'll see. The AFC East is kind of a weird situation where we got to see if there's anybody else we want to attack out of there. But the but the Titans are probably right there with the Colts as the favorite in the South. So we will talk to the Colts and the Titans, see where those teams are at, try to keep this thing balanced. Again, as I always say, spread the word about this podcast. Appreciate how you guys are listening to the daily content. I hope you're enjoying it. It will get more fun as the season gets here, I promise you. Next month, we'll start looking at position previews. We'll have some fun with that, get you excited for training camp. And uh, as, as I always say, any requests or uh, things you would like to hear, topics of conversation, shoot them into the DMs. We will continue to look for fun ideas. I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this pod, always giving the positive reviews that you do. I think you you guys are, are the main reason that this thing is successful. There's actually no doubt about that in my mind. You guys are the main reason. So I appreciate it. And as I always say, until we talk next time, which we will be back tomorrow with some form of conversation, probably a chalk talk session. So we'll put that one out. Join us on YouTube if you've not done so before. The interactive stuff, the live stuff, the visuals really help. So check us out there tomorrow. Until we talk next time, hopefully tomorrow, go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.